Good evening. Feels like to me uh, the first normal Wednesday in a while. So we're back, uh, back to just in the Word, and you know, we had some different things in August and a couple of the last Wednesdays of uh, August off, and uh, and we do have the last tailgate next uh, Wednesday. We can hope and pray for this kind of weather next Wednesday because it's like gorgeous outside, and that would be nice. So that's uh, that's going on next Wednesday, but um, it's good to be back to. Uh, normal routine of opening the Word, and we've got the classrooms going out there, and the high school and middle school kids and the young, younger kids all in class tonight, so it's good to have those things back, but if you're on- online, we're glad to have you with us uh, tonight as well, as we'll be wrapping up uh, the book of Psalms, and you know, we didn't cover every single Psalm in this study by design, we weren't going to do all 150 chapters, uh, but we still covered a lot in the last year, and so we're going to finish the book. Uh, tonight, but I did want to let you know uh, our next study is going to be a exact verse by verse cover the entire book, and it's not a big one. But I'm going to do the book of Joel. So, um, so we have the uh, we have the tailgate next Wednesday, and then we have our monthly prayer the Wednesday after that, and then the next two Wednesdays uh, I'll launch into the book of Joel, uh, which has a good bit of warning uh, and uh, prophecy, but also some of the uh, most beautiful promises which we see in the book of Acts uh, are also um, re-quoted uh, by Peter there at Pentecost. So all of that is in a very rich uh, three-chapter book. So we'll look at that. And, and as of now, because you're the few, uh, the strong, the Wednesday crowd, uh, uh, I, I'm leaning towards, as I start the new year, uh, the book of Joshua all the way through it in on Wednesday nights. So that's kind of like where we're Joel first, and because we can't, I want to start clean and, and be strong and courageous into the new year. So that's probably where we're going to be. Uh, Lord could change, but that's where I'm leaning towards. I feel like that's where I'm being led toward. So that'll be starting in the new year, but uh, next next month, uh, so two Wednesdays away, uh, we'll be in the book of Joel. So tonight we'll finish Psalms. Obviously, if you didn't notice, Sunday we're in the New Testament, Wednesday we're in the Old Testament. That's kind of how that works. So uh, Psalms and Joel and Joshua are all in the Old Testament. So turn with me to uh, your Bibles in the Old Testament. The uh, place we'll pick up is Psalm 146. And um, we're going to actually cover the last five chapters. And we're not going to go every single verse. Uh, And I think you'll see that it's not even necessary tonight uh, to really see what the Lord says in these last five chapters. Not that there's not something to be gleaned from every single verse. Of course there is. But uh, the amount of time that we have tonight, uh, I think this will really uh, speak to uh, what the Lord does in closing out, what the Holy Spirit gave to the psalmist to close out this book. And certainly one of the most treasured books uh, in all the Bible. I, I, I can speak for myself and probably many of you, I've marked up the book of Psalms probably more than any other book in the Bible. Uh, there's other books that I've marked up similar, but I've, I go back to it. It's the one book I almost read at least a portion of it every single day. No matter what I'm reading anywhere else in the Bible, I still read something from the Psalms. Uh, so right now I'm in 2 Corinthians, and you know, I've, gone, I've been working my way through the New Testament in my personal study, but I always read something in Psalms. So uh, let's pick it up with Psalm 146. Now I'm not going to read every verse for the sake of time, I want to open up by just reading 
just follow along with me. Let's start with verse 1 of Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Move over to chapter 147, first verse. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Over to chapter 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him from the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens and the waters above the heavens. Over to Psalm 49, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and praise uh, in His praise in the assembly of saints. And then last chapter, verse 1, verse, uh, chapter 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Did you notice a theme at all? Holy Spirit had a lot of similar things to say, and there's even more. We didn't read it all. If you go read it all, there's a whole lot more of a very similar theme. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again this time you've given us the worship. We've already gotten to pray, uh, had the opportunity, the blessing uh, to praise you with our lips, as Phil had mentioned. And Lord, uh, we want to praise you not just with our lips, but in our hearts, in our minds, Lord, in our steps, in our words, and everything that we do, Lord, we want it to be praiseworthy. And Lord, we know that you are worthy of our praise. And so Lord, even us opening your word and reading it is a praise to you because we're, we're reading back to you, your attributes. And so Lord, we pray that you would speak tonight through these five chapters. Lord, I pray that uh, you would speak uh, through me, uh, only Lord, what you would have me to say. And Lord, that it would be that which would build up and edify. Lord, we pray that we would all leave here more desiring to praise you, and Lord, putting it into practice. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm sure you noticed the theme, and we'll get more into that. But as we bring our psalm series to a close, uh, you might recall that uh, the book of Psalms is broken out into five separate books. Some of you that have done psalm studies, you, you know it's five separate books that comprise the entire book that we know as the Psalms. Some have suggested uh, that the five books within the Psalms parallel the five books of the Pentateuch, so Genesis through Deuteronomy, that those five parallel the first five books of the Bible. Some of scholars have suggested that. Uh, the law of God, if you think about it, the law of God contrasted by songs and worship to God. And so you can kind of see that uh, parallel contrast. Now that's more of an observation uh, there's nothing in Scripture that expressly states that. Uh, but we absolutely do see some parallel themes in the Pentateuch, the first five books, uh, things like redemption, the redemption of Israel, the holiness of God, the sorrow and the suffering uh, that Israel experienced, the joy and rejoicing of God intervening and delivering those that belong to Him. So we could see those in the first five books, and we certainly see those same things all throughout the Psalms. And there's even in the Psalms re uh, repeated uh, pictures of what took place, actually mentioning the Red Sea and many things that take place in those first foot, five books of the Bible. As we've seen throughout the Psalms, they are intensely, also, they're also intensely personal. That's why I read them every day. I read something from the Psalms every day. They're intensely personal. 
meaning that you read the Psalms as an individual to be ministered to just to you, expressing how we are to personally, so the Psalms are really instructive in how we personally live for God, and we've talked about this throughout this series, personally live for God in the real world difficulties and the valleys, hence Psalm 23, right? The real world difficulties and the valleys, even valleys of the shadow of death. But these are all parts of life. So they're intensely personal. What we see some of the psalmists go through, we experience. Man, Asaph, David, I get exactly what they're feeling. Yet the psalms are also equally corporate. Would you not agree with it? They're also a very corporate understanding. Most specifically, to obviously they are written to the collective nation of Israel. So we understand that, yes, the psalms were not written to the church at the time. When you understand the context, yes... It was written collectively in the nation of Israel, but by way of application, and of course this applies to many parts of the Old Testament, it also speaks to the wider people of God. That would be us, here we are in 2023, we weren't there when David or Solomon were ruling and reigning, but it speaks to the wider people of God, i.e. those saved by God, which includes all of us if we're born again, even to this day. And as such, we're called to the same devotion to God that is expressed all throughout the Psalms because it's a very instructive book on being devoted to God. Now as we come to the end of this study, these last five chapters um, of this fifth book within the Psalms, it would be pretty hard to miss the closing theme. It would be really hard to miss. I hope you, there's one specific word that's mentioned a lot. It would be really hard to miss the closing theme. If you didn't get this, if you're, if you're a professor, says, can you write the one word that's really, really prominent and you didn't get it? It's a pass or fail. It's a 100 or a zero. I hope you would get the one word. But this closing theme, it's a reminder to us and the readers uh, of this book, all of us that are followers of God, we are exhorted to we are called to, we are reminded to praise the Lord. God knows how quickly we forget just about anything. Even if we heard the same word a hundred times, a few minutes later we could forget to praise God. To be, but he's called us to be people of praise. To the glory of God. All of, all of our praise is to, to the glory of God and to the perfecting of our own lives which is a long process of sanctification as we walk it out in this world, but the glory of God and the perfecting of our own lives. If you're taking notes, you see the title this evening, The Punctuation and Perfection of Praise. The punctuation being this is the ending to this book and the perfecting of praise that God wants us to grow and be perfected in our praise. The parting words of Psalms of the Psalms here, are rooted in a call to praise God, to continue to praise God, and to grow in praise to His name for His goodness, for His greatness, for His holiness, for His faithfulness. And by the way, all of these things, specifically to praise God, are reiterated in the New Testament. So obviously Psalms in the Old Testament, but the New Testament reiterates this exhortation, this command, this call to praise 
God. In Romans 15, 11, it says, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye peoples. And of course, that's requoting from the Old Testament, but all people. And God says, when he says all people, he means all people. But if you've been set free from sin, and you've been set free from death, that you've been born again in Christ, we have him even more of a reason to praise God. Now, we're already told to praise him if anyone is supposed to praise God, just by his common grace. But if you've been saved, you have all the more reason to praise. And Peter states this in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, that ye may proclaim the praises of, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter's saying, that you're to praise God because he's called you out of darkness. We don't even know how much darkness we were in. The writer of Hebrews and Phil went and looked in my notes and, and, uh, and used this same verse uh, to kick off the worship, but that's fine. Maybe God really wanted us to hear Hebrews 13, 15 twice, although he read, I think, even the next verse. Uh, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So not just Wednesday night, again tomorrow and Friday and Saturday, and even if your team loses, and Sunday. And if that team loses, Monday and Tuesday and on and on it goes. To continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Now, you can understand that sometimes we don't feel, if it's a sacrifice, there's times you do not feel like praising. I've had times where Murphy's Law seems to show up. Whatever can go wrong, did go wrong. Even things above it. Like I think it went past the line. Is there a negative there that you can go? Uh, but, and yet, it's, it's kind of like when Paul says, Rejoice, Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. It's the same principle. You're still called to praise God, which is an act of faith. Saying, Lord, you know what you know, and I'm learning what you know. But to continually give thanks. Then we have Jesus himself. Obviously, he comes down out of heaven, the incarnation, and he speaks these words to the woman at the well. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking worshipers. True worshipers, because everybody's worshiping something. Don't, don't, don't fool yourself. Everyone is worshiping something. It's the question of what are they worshiping? Everyone has a fear of something. It's a fear of the Lord. You're going to fear everything else. But he's looking for true worshipers, those whose lives are a living worship, not just when the songs are being sung, but a living worship, those that have believed his truth. Jesus said everything's going to have to start with, do you believe? Do you believe what Psalm says? Do you believe what Jesus said? Do you believe what the Scriptures say? But those that have believed his truth have believed his gospel. We talked about this in the book of Acts. And of course, all of his word, which is truth. Jesus himself says this, John chapter 17. 
And now having received the Spirit, those of us that are born again, obviously uh, there's a new work of the Spirit in the New Testament that we don't have in the Old Testament. The Spirit was quite active in the Old Testament, let's be clear, not only with the writing of Scripture, but coming upon prophets and really working amongst the people of God. But now in the New Testament with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we receive, even before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we already received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But having received the Spirit, we should have, if we have the Holy Spirit, a desire that the Holy Spirit prompts to worship Him, which that worship includes praising Him. Why? Because He is worthy. Because He's worthy. You don't need, God doesn't need to give another reason, does He? He's not, He doesn't, there's nothing that God would need to give, say, I probably should give them at least three more reasons so they buy into this. He doesn't need to give another reason. Now, he does give other reasons, but he doesn't need to. That's just his grace. Do you believe that deep in your soul, I'm speaking to all of us here, do you believe that deep in your soul, do you believe that you have received, do you believe that God wants you walking in the command to praise the living God? Do you believe deep in your soul, God wants me walking in praise? We know that God's going to do his part, which is the part we can't do, right? God's going to do his part, which is the part and parts, plural, that we can't do. God is going to do his part. Our part is to praise him. I sit on my back, screened in, and I'll read my Bible, and I watch the squirrels do what they're created to do. Sometimes, to my annoyance, uh, the birds, it doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, cold day, hot day, they chirp away. And, and even Jesus said, look, look at the birds. He, look at them. They, they don't worry like you do. They do exactly what they're created to do. We'll get to some of the things that are um, outside of the human realm as we go a little further here. But we know God's going to do his part. Our part is just to praise him. We've been created to praise him, obviously, with the fall. Everything changed. We have to be redeemed. And then we have the Holy Spirit prompting us to praise him. But he, his part, the parts that we can't do, he will perfect us. We can't perfect ourselves. We can't. He will protect us. We can't protect ourselves. You can have every single thing protected, and something at the cellular level, level can take you out. He will prune us. Now, we might see things that need to be pruned, but he, we don't see everything. He, he will prune the parts of us that need to be pruned. He will provide for us. You can work as hard as you want, but only God can make sure that it's profitable. He will preserve us till whatever our end date is, till the rapture of the church, whatever it means, Whatever it is, he will preserve us. He will even present us, and we've talked about this a few weeks back, faultless, because we're not faultless. But he'll present us faultless as we praise him with our lips. But more importantly, well, not more importantly, but equal, with our lives, with our lips and with our lives. But we see throughout these last five chapters uh, the exhortation and the expression 
of praise, but also we see the hand, even, we didn't read all the verses, well, I only read the beginning, so we're going to get to a couple other parts of these passages, so they don't all say exactly what we read, but, but there's a lot of that repetition. Uh, but there's this exhortation and the expression of praise, but there's also, we see the hand and faithfulness of God, just as we've seen in the first 145 chapters, but here in these last five, we also see the faithfulness of God in all the seasons of life. And I would say to all of us, God has been faithful in seasons at we did at times we did not perceive his faithfulness until after the fact. Amen? After the fact, oh yeah, he really was faithful because I was I whined a lot. I mean a lot. But he will be faithful in the seasons of life, encouraging us. And we even see in these closing passages, these passages of, of encouragement, that he will pre be present in every season while we praise him in every season. Because that's what he is prompting us to praise him in every season. He's going to be present in every season, but are we going to praise him in every season? Which, because of our flesh, doesn't come naturally. Even when you've learned this lesson, you will fall again. Yes, even you. You ever seen someone run around the track and, and they're like a world-class athlete. They've done it eight million times and somehow they trip and fall. Like, now I expect us to do that because some of us are klutzier than others and some of us are not world-class athletes, but you don't expect the best of the best, but it's our human condition. So he reminds us of these things. Our flesh, it doesn't come easily, but that's why it's so repetitive, because God knows who he's speaking to. That's us. And this is why, also, when you, when you look at God's prompting us to praise, but you remember he's going to be present and faithful in all the seasons of life, even if we don't perceive that, but we are to believe it by faith. This is why we live by faith and truth, not feelings and thoughts. Faith and truth, not feelings and thoughts. Lots of thoughts will pop into your head. They're not necessarily truths. Lots of feelings will flood our minds and bodies. Those aren't necessarily uh, faith or truth either. But faith and truth kind of stands in stark contrast often to feelings and thoughts. So I just want to touch on a handful of verses in uh, chapters 46, 47, and 48, and then I'll read the entirety of Psalm 149 and 150 as we close out the book. So back to uh, chapter 146, um, verse 1 again, and also uh, verse 2. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. So verse 1, it sets the table for the last five chapters. It sets the table for all the way through 150. Praise the Lord. And not just praise, let it come from the soul. The soul that's been redeemed. The soul that's been changed. The soul that now belongs to God. And this, in this resolution that as long as the psalmist is alive, he says, while I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. resolute desire that while the psalmist is alive, while they have a physical body, didn't say one that works. It just said, while I have my being. 
So if you're saying, well, mine's not a good, it doesn't, you're still supposed to pray. If you are alive, your body, my body is like really, really a fraction of what it once was. You know, what it, still, you have a being. The choice has been made to sing and praise to God because he also says, uh, I will sing praises to my God. To sing and to praise God. Uh, that is that throughout our life, to extol the virtues of God, the majesty of God, the wonder of God. And, and most of your praise is just you and God. I mean, you have times where Phil led us in worship tonight. Maybe Tawan leads us on Sunday. You know, maybe it's Jackson. Maybe it's Gary. Maybe you're at some worship you know, concert or something like that. But the majority of our worship is just like the psalmist, just your soul and God. Nobody else there. There's plenty of other times where we come together, and we'll see that in uh, uh, chapter 149, where the assembly, uh, God is very big on the assembly gathering together, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is why we're here tonight. But we can anchor our lives to praising God. We can anchor our lives to praising God. Obviously, we have others that are part of that same anchor. We can anchor our lives to be obedient to God. We can anchor our lives to believing God. But but praising God is because we obey God, and it's because we believe God. He's the one that told us to praise Him. So the reason we have this understanding is because it was given to us by His Word. And you can see it's given a lot in these last five chapters. But it's foolish to anchor our lives to other things or count on other people. Look at verse 3 and 4. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs. He returns the earth. In the very day that his plans perish. It's foolish to anchor our lives on people that we want to count for them. We want to count on them to be our providers of help and of peace and of joy and of provision. I, I got news for you. People can't really provide any of those things. Only for a little bit of time. It's kind of a, a veneer. They're mortal. They can't even guarantee themselves one more day. How are they going to guarantee you and I anything? That's what he's saying. That They can't create any of these things for themselves, nor can they extend their life, nor can we. They can't extend our life for a single second. So our praise is to the one that uh, has control of our soul. Our praise is to the one that has all power. He goes on and in verse 5, we have the first promise here, at least in, in these passages. Obviously, there's lots of other promises in, in the Psalms. But happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord. Um, you say, well, I'm not happy. Maybe your hope is really not in the Lord right now. That's, that's the inference, right? Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. If you're not really trusting in God and you're trusting other things, yes, you're not going to have a happiness that would come from God. You have to really lay your life into his hand. He has to really be your hope. He has to really be your help. Is he really your hope? Is he really your help? Is he really all you're depending on? Drop down to verse 8. And by the way, verse 6 who made heaven and earth in the sea. And so God reminds, oh, by the way, uh, I made everything. 
So I am the only resource you're ever going to need. That's kind of like uh, made crystal clear there in verse 6. But drop down to verse 8. And again, I wish we could cover all the verses. We just can't. Uh, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. Um, but we can see something quite messianic here. Obviously, Jesus will be the Messiah who is prophesied throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Tanakh. Not only when Jesus comes, does he open the spiritually blind, which I was, and all of you, I remember my salvation day crystal clear. I remember it a lot. I mention it often. But not only did he open my blind eyes, and he opens us spiritually, and that's the most important thing anyway, because even if you had your visible eyesight your whole life, but you died without Christ, what would it matter? It'd be better to be blind all through life and be given spiritual sight than to have physical sight your whole life but never have spiritual sight. But Jesus does both, right? When he came, he did both. He healed people of physical blindness to show that he was the only one that could heal people of spiritual blindness. So we actually have both in his ministry to show that, hey, no one else can do this. The one that can heal you physically is the one that can heal you spiritually. And he raises up. And so we, we have a lot of reason to praise the Lord. He's raised us up many times. Um, during this last few years of COVID, you know, I, I, I had it officially twice, probably recently unofficially. I just never got tested or anything. Who knows? But uh, it's all going around, and I'm feeling way better now. And so, uh, but God is good. I mean, so uh, I, I mention this from time to time, and I can't remember. One day I'll run into the quote again, but it always, uh, I can't remember which saint there in is it Northern England or Scotland, but said something to the effect, and uh, it's not so much a surprise that we die, it's a surprise that we make it as long as we do. Uh, because, and I'm paraphrasing for our vernacular, but, but it really is, because I look back and I'm like, there's times you feel like death warmed over 8 million times in your life, and sometimes in the same week, right? And you're like, how am I going to even survive? And then all, lo and behold, you feel great two days later again, and God's like, and people have been through all kinds of things and are back I mean, people battle, came back from World War II and battles and everything else, and, and it's a surprise that we make it this long, but that is the hand of God. And so, but he loves the righteous, it says in verse uh, 8. He loves the righteous. He does, in his common grace, a lot of things for all people. If anyone's alive right now, they're receiving the common grace of God. But he loves the righteous, those that have believed in him. And that's why we praise him, because he's brought us in. Last verse in verse 10, I want you to take note, uh, the, the end of verse 10, it says what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, you're going to see that at the end of every one of these five chapters. It starts with praise the Lord, finishes 146, 147, 148, 149, 150. All five will start with praise the Lord. All five will finish with praise the Lord, and a bunch of other praise lords in between. Uh, so uh, chapter 147, dropping down to 147, as I mentioned, they all start with praise the Lord. They all finish with praise the Lord. So you see it right here in 147, praise the Lord. For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. Um, it's good. It's pleasant. There's a lot of things that are not pleasant in life. A lot of things in this country right now that are not pleasant, but praise is both good and 
pleasant. I don't know about you, but I want to invest in good and pleasant. I, I think I do know about you. I think you do want to invest in good and pleasant. You're here tonight because th- th- this is nothing, uh, this is not near as, uh, I was flipping through the TV and I saw a concert and it was like thousands of people and smartphones everywhere and it was extravagant and we've got like uh, you know a little bit of wood up here uh, tattered carpet over here uh, which I still want to get of all these things I look around there's just nothing fancy about it but neither was Jesus's stable and yet it was far more glorious than all the things you see all the amazing things that the world does and everyone's like enthralled by the moment but it's really not amazing that happens all over the world. The same, as a matter of fact, at the end of it, it shows concert in Sao Paulo and Tokyo and here and all. And they all look exactly the same. And they're all just amazing. It's the same set. Travels from place to place to place to place. And everything looks amazing. And God looks at it and says, that's not amazing. It's neither good nor pleasant. But he's calling us to invest in what is good and pleasant. And he says, for uh, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. A lot of other music out there that, it's not all bad, by the way. I, I listen to some non-Christian music. But, the, but, but praise is beautiful. Other things are just, eh, sometimes they're just neutral. And sometimes they're evil. And other times, beautiful. So God's like, you can, you can aim for, you can invest in what's best, or you can sh- you've got a whole other all the way down to complete evil and garbage. But you'll never regret investing in what's good and beautiful. Amen? What's good and pleasant. You'll never, inve- you'll never regret investing in praising God. Verse 3 uh, speaks to the character of God. Obviously, verse 2 tells us that he is speaking to the nation of Israel, builds up Jerusalem. Uh, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds this is a, obviously a testament to God's character because God has healed many and he's bound the wounds of many. Israel itself was a nation that was tattered that God healed their wounds and, and bound them up. But we also, as we look at this, uh, we again see the coming work of Jesus the Messiah, right? That Jesus is going to come and he's going to heal the brokenhearted. He's going to bind up the wounded. So we see the, the messianic work there. By the way, for verse 1 where it says, praise the Lord for his goodness and praise our God, and then verse 3, he heals the broken heart and binds up their wounds. Uh, that is a prayer I'm praying in so many words every single Sunday. Uh, Wednesdays too. I mean, I pray that tonight as well. I, mean, I have no idea who could walk in here. Uh, people have gotten saved on Wednesday nights just as much as Sunday's uh, in the course of history, people just kind of stumble in. I don't know how I got here, why I got here. But we're, we started off with praise, which we did, which Phil led us in singing praise. But then we're praying that God would heal. And some of you have wounds that need to be healed. And maybe God will use this psalm tonight to usher in some of that. So it's a prayer that I'm always praying that God is, that we're doing our part to praise him, but he's doing his, which only he can do is to heal and to bind up wounds. Verse 4 and 5, he counts the number of stars. He calls them all by name. This, is, this blows my mind. 
If you've never studied anything with NASA, maybe you just can gloss over this. But any of you that have ever read the magnitude of the universe, it just amazes me that Earth uh, is coming up to Christmas time, and you know you have uh, the Grinch that stole Christmas coming up. And you know how at the very end you find out the whole thing takes place in a snowflake? The whole thing, the whole everything takes place in a little piece of a snowflake. Not even the whole snowflake, just the whole thing takes place in the part of a snowflake. You didn't think the Grinch would make it into this night, but it did. But uh, <laughs> I didn't even know the Grinch would make it into this tonight, but it did. But uh, the, the earth is way smaller compared to, because it shows not only at the very end of the credits, you have trillions of snowflakes coming down, trillions of snowflakes coming down, and then Whoville is inside that one snowflake. But earth is smaller compared to the universe than that. Much smaller. I mean, it's not even visible in outer in, in, the, in expanse of space. We don't even know how far it goes. We're talking about trillions upon trillions upon trillions. Of, it's like more than the sand of all is, is stars. We, and every time they think they've reached the end, they... And we, NASA, by the way, is just creeping through space. It, it looks out there. The funniest one I saw recently, I, I, I said to my wife, I said, these guys. They said they found proof of life a hundred light years away or something like that. I'm like... Um, how, how in the world, we can't even get past like our own, or, uh, our own uh, solar system, and somehow, it was just ridiculous. But anyway, uh, they have no idea, and of course, it's not even true. Uh, but, but then you have God, who knows them all by name, and everything in the dark matter in between, and everything else, and every molecule, every atom... At the same time, he calls them by name, great is our Lord, and mighty is power, his understanding is, and when it says infinite, it means infinite. Like we call it, hey, this is the, man, the, the, the options are infinite. We say about things that are not infinite. God really is infinite. So it's amazing. God sees it all, every single thing. Verse 7 Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, sing praises on the harp. We're still in 147. Sing praises on the harp to our God. Um, so God is saying, sing and give thanks in every season. Tying back to verse 3, I'm convinced that, because um, back in verse 3 it says, he heals the brokenhearted, he binds up the wounds. Verse 7, sing the Lord with thanksgiving, sing praise on the heart. So kind of take these two together. Um, I'm convinced that some of our healing, some, not all, because God heals in different ways, but Part of the way God heals and changes us is through obedience. And many Christians have not learned this. They, they, they really, they run to the doctor for literally everything. And there's times where God's saying, hey, you can run there all you want. I am trying. It says in the New Testament, for this reason, some get sick. And even, I, don't, I know that that's not popular to even mention at all anymore, but it's still in your Bibles. And most times, people are not sick because of sin. I get that. I mean, to most of you, we've anointed many of you. I, I'm sure that many of you have things that have nothing to do with sin. It's just, that's just the fallen world we live in. On the other hand, some of our issues and ailments are directly related to horrible attitudes. Would we not agree with that? Because as a country, we have slipped into really bad attitudes, and it's infected the church, and it's really a cancer compared to what we're seeing in the Psalms here, which is all about this 
praise being central to our life and thanksgiving and singing praises to God. So I'm, I'm still learning this myself. i just just letting you know. I'm on the same journey as the rest of y'all. But I'm still learning this and seeing God move and mature in my life as I learn to praise Him and give thanks even when it makes no sense, when it doesn't feel right, when nothing, you know, uh, and it's gotten me in the pulpit and home feeling great many a time. You won't even know it. Every now and then I mention it. But Proverbs 17, 22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. I don't know if you know this. Some of you do know this. But our immune system is directly tied to the health of your bone marrow. Immune system and bone marrow, the, 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 the blood cells that are created directly related to our bone marrow and worry and fear and bitterness and unforgiveness and refusing to pray and refusing to give thanks and complaining and depression and on and on it goes are detrimental to our nervous system. They're detrimental to our brain cells. They're detrimental to everything. Even doctors are now starting to wise up to this and say, it's quite powerful if people would start to pray. And our prayer prayer and praise go hand in hand. Much of your praise is in a prayer, and some of it's in song. And again, I'm not saying that, be clear, this is not for everything, but God is saying, yes, some of your issues are, are refusing to praise and refusing to give thanks, so you have a malaise, if you will. I believe it's pervasive. We have to learn to praise God and believe that He's bigger than anything we face, because that's why we don't praise, because we think the other things are bigger, too big for God. We have to believe that He's bigger than anything we face, and, and then we receive spiritual strength, which is greater than physical strength. Amen? Paul said, your strength is made perfect in weakness. We don't like that verse. But Paul said, I've come to realize I can get all over the Mediterranean on the strength of the Lord. Even when he was completely famished, no food, dead as a doornail, physically felt that way anyway, and strength is made perfect in weakness. Spiritual strength is greater than physical strength. Praise increases. When we say, all right, Lord, we're going to praise you, praise increases faith. Praise increases joy. Praise increases peace. Does anyone not want those three? Praise increases faith, joy, and peace. Complaining, on the other hand, which is the opposite of praising, Israel was so, God so hated it, he made them say 40 years in the wilderness because they refused to praise and they were complainers. And they still couldn't get what God was trying to show them that this is not going to work. You will, you will go in circles, and we still do in circles in our Life here we are later. But you'll go in circles. Complaining increases doubt, worry, and distress. Not that we don't get those things automatically. We get those things when we're not complaining. They can just hit us like a wall. But then we have to say, Lord, time out. Let me just praise you anyway. Because those things, and they're not always a sin when they come in. They're a sin when you entertain them and kind of continue. And I'm not talking about, again, you know, there's times where you have to overcome things in life. And you need other brothers and sisters in your life. And that's why we... Strengthen, uh, confess our sins one to another, but also iron sharpens iron. All this is necessary. But in Nehemiah 8.10, he says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's saying, don't, don't go right into sorrow and misery. Remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And praise is, is key to this. Praise precedes peace and joy. Verse 11, 
Um, still in 147 here, verse 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. His mercy is a real reason to praise him, amen? Because mercy, you don't deserve God's mercy. I don't deserve God's mercy. But he takes pleasure in those who fear him. We talked about in the book of Acts, when the fear of the Lord fell, a church that already loved the Lord saw even greater things happen because they had a, just a heightened sense of the fear of the Lord. And they already feared the Lord, I think, way more than I do and probably any of us do. And yet they still could go even more to a level of fear and awe. But God takes pleasure in those who reverence him. And part of that reverence is to worship him. Part of that worship is to praise him and, and those who hope in his mercy. And you can thank God. So you can't think about, I don't know what to praise him. Just praise him for the, the attributes that you read in your Bible. If you read in the Bible and God says he's merciful, praise him for his mercy. If you read, he's faithful, praise him for his faithfulness. Uh, he says he created the universe, praise him for that. Anything you can find in your Bible that speaks to God's mighty power, attributes, character, you can praise him for all of those things. And he loves when we praise him because then he says, I'll take pleasure in you. Isn't that a great promise? There's another promise here, by the way. I said, it's not, the, it's not the only one in the Psalms, it's not the only one in these last five, but we can't hit them all, but this is another promise. Remember, happy, and, happy is he who has a God of Jacob. Here, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. I wonder if God will take pleasure in me. Well, he doesn't lie. So if you decide, I'm going to start fearing and praising the Lord, he's going to take pleasure in your life. Not that we bring anything to the table. This is just all of, of him. And then, uh, just to drop down, because we don't have time, uh, last verse says, End of verse 20, praise the Lord. It always ends that way, starts that way, ends that way, last five chapters. Uh, chapter 148, uh, just I'm going to um, skim some of the rest of uh, 148 here. So we already read the first six verses uh, where it starts as praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. You know, heights, angels, hosts, sun and moon. Pick it up with, um, uh, pick it up with verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and the depths and Fire and hail and snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruitful trees, all cedars. Um, verse, uh, verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he, his name alone is exalted, for his glory is above the earth and heaven. And then, of course, it closes in verse 14 with praise the Lord. Uh, Twelve total times in, in, uh, chapter, uh, in chapter 148, 12 total times, Either praise him or praise the Lord or praise the name of the Lord as mentioned 12 times. Of course, you have 12 tribes, you have 12 months, 12 times here. Uh, it's saying to praise the Lord. Uh, Graham uh, Scroggie said, speaking of the in entirety of the Psalms, I put it up on the screen. Uh, he says, how full of praise to God are, are these Psalms? The keyboard of creation, providence and redemption are all swept by the ecstatic soul and heaven and earth, sea and sky, things animate and things inanimate are summoned to praise the Lord. Now, you and I can't get praise from this wooden pulpit, but God actually can. Jesus said he could make the rocks cry out anytime he wants to. Isn't that great to know? Like, even inanimate objects, because, you know, sometimes when I remember I first got saved, I'd read this something, how's the sun and moon praise him? You know, I'll read this kind of stuff, and it's all foreign to you and stuff like that. But it was all created for God's glory. And since it all testifies to his glory, um, you know, I was talking to someone recently about how uh, Richard Dawkins, you know, for years, you know, atheist, and talked about all the, the ways that, uh, that uh, 
he could prove uh, all the, the the thoughts he had that proved that there is no God and and it's obvious that there's no God and and then near the uh, latter part of his life he started to not be able to defend some of his own positions really well and he started to then say aliens kicked it all off <laughs> that was it that was what he came up with and so then my first question is well who created the aliens right of course there are no aliens and we see all this deception that's going on right now. I talked about this two Sundays ago. Uh, but God, creates, all of creation, testifies to his glory. So inanimate objects, animals, all of it. In, in the ark, when he says, all two of you by two, go get them, they did. Everyone does exactly what they're supposed to do to the glory of God. And all these things do testify of his glory. And then, of course, you see the closing refrain again in verse 14, praise the Lord, as it first and last. Uh, let's read 149 and 150, and we'll come to a close. Verse, uh, chapter 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion, I can remember, the audience is the nation of Israel, but the wider audience is all people of God. So you have the specific target, and then you have the the future application. But let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. He's our king now through Jesus. Let them praise his name with the dance and let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. So no, to dance is not evil, just in case you know that. Verse 4, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Of course, also a messianic picture of that which is to come with Jesus. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. You can even sing in your bed. How about that? And if you are all alone in your house, it's easier to do that. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. What does that sound like over in the New Testament? Uh, to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute them the written judgment. This honor have all the saints. Praise the Lord. Same ending, same beginning. This, But the beginning of chapter 149, where he says, praise the Lord, sing the Lord a new song, and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Obviously, we have an assembly of saints here tonight. We are an assembly of saints. Two or three, Jesus said, is going to qualify. So even just two people as an assembly, if they're gathering to worship or discuss the Lord or pray, that would still be an assembly. But we have more than that. So we have an assembly here tonight, but this is the last time in the Psalms, uh, I'm sorry, the sixth time. So you have six times in the Psalm where a new song is mentioned. This is the sixth and last time that a new song is mentioned in the book of Psalms. This is the last time, but there's five times prior that a new song is mentioned. The only other places, just so you know, in all of Scripture that new song is mentioned is in Isaiah chapter 42, and then the only other place in all the Bible is the book of Revelation. So six times in the Psalms, Isaiah 42, and then in the book of Revelation, and one of them is right here in Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy. Isn't you, 
Can't you just wait to sing this song someday? You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, we know who this is about, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Certainly, even in 149, this is the foreshadow to heaven, where the great assembly will be of all the saints. All the saints will be gathered. So we have a foreshadow here of heaven in verse 1. We get to practice. We have a lot of things we get to practice here on earth, right? We get to practice every single gathering singing and praising the Lord. Amen? Because this is going to be a big part of heaven. I tell people that don't like to worship, I'm like, "Uh, you're not going to really enjoy heaven. It's a big part of heaven. And you might want to start practicing raising your hands. You might want to start practicing really, I mean, really letting it rip spiritually, so to speak. You might want to really stop holding it all in because heaven is going to be about worship and it'll be about praising the Lord. Uh, so we get to practice it every time we're together. I love our worship nights. Uh, we, we hope to have another one in the near future. Uh, verses 5 and 6, let the saints be joyful in glory. Um, it's really joyful in God's glory. Uh, let them sing aloud on their beds. Just, just saying that anywhere and everywhere you're at, uh, wherever you are at, God can prompt you to praise. Um, you know, some of the David was quite uh, expressive. He wouldn't have hesitated to sing aloud on his bed. You know, uh, one of his wives might have said, "What's going on in there?" But uh, you know, he did. Uh, he did love to sing and. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Now, uh, there is going to be, a, as you know from the next few verses, God speaks about the judgment to come on those that have refused to praise him. They're really, I mean, there's no getting around that the tribulation period is coming. And he is going to execute judgment on all of them. I mean, there's going to be Armageddon. He's going, there's going to be a bloodbath of all the nations that have rejected God. And every soul that's rejected him. On the flip side, this two-edged sword we know is also in the hands of saints because we're not called to take off ears like Peter did, right? We're called to carry the two-edged sword of the Word of God. And so until we remain, uh, until we come back as the saints with him to judge, right now our job is not to judge, it is to present the gospel, the whole counsel of God. So we have a two-edged sword of the Word of God in our hand. We have his praise on our lips and his word in our hands and in our hearts, obviously. So this is kind of um, expressed here. And then uh, the closing, again, praise the Lord. And then it's in the last chapter, the, the very last chapter of the entire book of Psalms. Let's read it together. Praise the Lord, verse 1. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Of course, the clouds and all the, the heavens uh, praise him. Praise him for his mighty acts. Again, these are things you can praise God for. Praise him according to his excellent graciousness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Even the unsaved are called to praise him. That could actually bring them out of being unsaved, because you, if you've been an unsaved person, this has happened. I remember here, uh, if you guys, we're going to have um, uh, Matt Wilder come, and he's going to play piano again 
uh, in December. And he's just amazing when he does it all. He's memorized entire passes. He, he's created some new ones. But uh, I can't remember which one it was when they were at Brigham Young University, which you know is a, obviously a Mormon. I think it's, I think it's Micah's testimony. But, but anyway, while he was at Brigham Young, in music class, they played a couple of hymns. And the hymns so spoke to him that he started to question his own religion because they were so rich in doctrine. And the hymns were really useful because they were so scriptural central. And saying, that sounds different than what I believe. So when you have people tell you, oh, we believe the same thing. No, they don't. Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints does not believe the exact same thing. Uh, and, but the hymns spoke, and so uh, even when it says everything that has breath, praise the Lord, my point is, if you could get, and that's why we say invite your unsaved friends to come to church, invite your coworkers, just the worship alone, when, I, when we got saved at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, the music truly was already drawing us to Christ. And, and even if we mouthed it a little bit, we're mouthing truth, and truth is penetrating heart. Because the spiritual overrides everything else. Not, but people say, I don't believe any of that. They start saying the words of truth, and even their mind starts to question, why don't I believe this? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking truth to each and every person. And so even if someone prays God, uh, just kind of going through the motions, it can be kind of the kickstart for them actually coming into the Lord. So invite people and uh, get your family. I can only get them to Christmas Easter. Great. Pastor Trevor got saved because he heard a seven-minute Christmas message here. But the music also spoke to him, silent night, all these different things. So uh, God works in that way. But as we bring it to a close, all five of the books of the Psalms uh, end with a doxology. So we're not reading the other four doxologies. We go back to the end of the other. But they all end with a doxology. And this doxology ends the fifth, and, uh, the fifth of the uh, books and also obviously ends the entirety of the Psalms. The Psalms were written over a thousand-year period from Moses all the way through the kings of Israel. Uh, this is the punctuation mark of the Psalm, this 150th chapter. This doxology is the punctuation mark where it closes with let, let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. The word doxology, if you wonder what that means, it comes from the combination of two Greek words, doxa, which means glory, logos, which means word. And so it literally means the word of glory or praise, the word of glory or praise. Uh, and it's typically sung as a hymn. It's typically a sung um, way to kind of close out. Uh, but it's, it's like a prayer and a hymn and a praise all at the same time. And I want to close um, with the final time that the word praise is mentioned in the entire Bible. Because obviously... The last time it's mentioned in Psalm is the very last sentence in your Bible. Look at your Bible, it says, praise the Lord. That's the last time praise is mentioned in the entirety of the Psalms. But, but there's also a last time that's mentioned in the entire Bible. And if you didn't know, it's just before the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's Revelation 19.5, it's up on the screen. Then a voice from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants, those who fear him, both small and great. And we already talked about here um, that God takes pleasure in those who fear him. Uh, that was in chapter 147. But here, the voice from the throne, praise our God, all you his servants. 
the only people that are getting into heaven are the servants of God. And you can't be a servant of God unless you've been born of the Spirit of God. But if you are born of the Spirit, you become a servant. Because there's a lot of people that aren't ready for heaven because they're not really a servant of God. They're still serving themselves. They've never really been saved. But if you really are, then you become a servant of God. You're one that fears the Lord. You have a great awe and respect. It doesn't matter if you're small or great, but God is going to, we get to heaven, like I said, we're going to be a lot, of, a lot of singing, but he is commanding from his throne that everyone that's saved to praise him. And guess what we'll immediately do? Praise him. Before we sit down at the marriage supper lamb, this is just before the marriage supper lamb, then after the marriage supper, we return with Jesus on white horses, and that's the judgment that, that will fall upon the earth. But this is the last time praise is mentioned in the entire Bible, Revelation 19.5. See, the overcomers, the faithful ones, the persevering, not the perfect, but those being perfected, because we're not perfect this side of heaven, but those that are being perfected, the redeemed, the true worshipers are going to praise him now, and I'm going to praise him in heaven for all eternity. Amen? Amen? All these worship songs you learn will not be wasted. You will know them. Plus, you'll know all the ones that the North Koreans are singing, and those in Iran are singing, and those in Saudi Arabia are singing, and you will know them instantaneously. Amen? Let's praise him today and continually. Father, we thank you again for your word reminding us, exhorting us, uh, calling us, Lord, uh, to praise you in every season. We know you'll be present in every season. So Lord, we pray that even in the next week, we know we'll have things that will hit us or uh, will not feel like praising, we'll feel like fearing or complaining or worrying. And, and Lord, we pray that uh, your spirit will remind us just to praise you and watch you work, first on us on the inside, then on the circumstances themselves. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who is worthy to be praised. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the night. See you Sunday. And if you're coming to the children's ministry workshop, that starts at 530 on Friday. I'll see you then.